morning, WP Naz. Welcome to services this morning. We're glad that you're here. Would you stand with me as we begin our time of worship together? Let's put our hands together. That has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me in the valley. I'll praise on the mountain.
Good morning, WP Naz, and I hate to even break it up. Y'all are just having so much fun with that song, and I wasn't sure when it was going to end, but aren't we excited to be gathered here today and be able to praise his name this morning? There's nothing better. I mean, Woodland Park, gorgeous blue skies, and we get to be together and praise him no matter where you are. I know some of you were walking some maybe tough roads or just had a rough week. But let's take these few moments that we have together and put it all aside and just lift him up. I'm excited about worship today and, and a new series that we're starting. Pastor Bill's going to kick off today. I'm super excited to have you guys here. So if you're brand new here, a special, special welcome. And I've already been able to meet some new people and so excited. So if you haven't, okay, this is what I want you to do really quick. Turn around and say fist pump to somebody either in front of you or behind you and say, I'm so glad you're here. Fist pump them real quick. All right, you don't, you don't get all day to do this. i got to move on. So if you're brand new, I hope you feel welcome because that's important to us that you feel a part of us immediately. And I know it takes time. It's hard to find a new church. But we want to get your information. And if you're not getting information from us regularly during the week, that means you may need to fill out this card that you, hopefully you got coming in or use a really cool little QR code. And it's super easy to just do your phone and we can get your information and get connected up with you. Super important. And you guys remember that we have a new website, kind of, sort of, name. You guys remember what it is? WPNAS.net.com anymore, .org. And so in that has changed our giving platform. The last couple of weeks, some of you are going back to an old giving platform and clicking there. I don't know how you're finding it, but you are. You're not supposed to. We really need for you to either go to the website and hit give and go that way to give, or, um, again, you can use our QR code. What's really cool about this is you can go directly, if you do it now, today, this morning, you can go to our digital bulletin, you can go to our prayer card, you can put a prayer request in, which you don't get a lot of room here, but you have plenty of room, it's just like that, it'll show you that, and then there's the card that you can fill out right there. On the Connect um, digital bulletin, you can give. It'll take you directly to give there. There's also another way to give, and that is via text. I think we'll show that in a minute. But what's really cool and important today is we've been talking about all February is alabaster. And it is a way for us to kind of gather. Some of you remember as a kid doing the little box, and we had some of those, but they're gone now. And hopefully it's next weekend, right? Everybody needs to bring their change in that you've been collecting for alabaster. And the cool part of alabaster is just that extra. It's not for us. It's for others. It's for building other churches, helping people in disasters, um, missions, building, rebuilding is what alabaster is really a part of. And you'll get a chance to see a video about that in just a moment. But anyway, bring that. You can also, we'll be able to give via check or credit card or whatever you use. Don't use your credit card. I'm sorry, debit card. Don't, don't do credit. And, uh, and you can do that to give. You don't have to be j- just changed. So bring that next week, and we're going to be excited to see how much this church is going to give to others. It's a great way to do that. So I think I covered most of our announcements. Is there anything else? I guess not. So we need to get our ushers up here, and we're going to pray this morning for just our tithes and offerings, our giving. We're so thankful for you guys being faithful and being here through Lots of snow and bad weather and whatever's going on with your life, you guys are faithful givers and giving back um, from the first fruits of what he's done for us and to show him that we believe we are putting you first, God. That is what our offering is all about. 
and for us to be able to give and do the things that we're doing. And our kids are back over here. I don't know if you guys realize, they all come in in different entrance. So you don't even get to see them sometimes. We got our kids' ministry back over here. But anyway, let's pray this morning. Father God, you are awesome. We are so thankful to be gathered here today. We're so thankful for just our health, those of us that are healthy, those of us that have had healing, those of us that are just seeing you and seeing how you're working in our lives, God. Just thank you and just help us to be thankful. And through that gratitude, through a thankful heart, we give back, God. So these offerings, whatever it is that you place on our heart to give, that you would bless it beyond measure, God. That's how you are. You own it all. And so we want to honor you with all that we have. And so we just give you praise and glory this morning. You name I pray. Amen. So like I said, as they're starting the offering, we have got a video for you that tells you a little bit more about what your alabaster that you're going to bring next week does around the world. Unmeasure, God. That's how you... This is the very same church that was built here in the 1950s, and I believe it was a vision of Dr. Earl and Dr. Ralph Earl, also uh, Alex Bachtel and a few other missionaries who were here in in that time, and they came here and they built the first building here, and the, the way they built it, I think, was completely with alabaster funds. And then during the years, we built onto this building and built a, a, a preschool, and it was useful. We had 180 children at one time in the, in the preschool, and it was built with, I think, six work and witness teams while we were here and through alabaster funds. I used to drive my van to pick people up for church, and I used to stop down the street uh, to, at the gasoline station or the benzene station to... Uh, to fill up with benzene every week and Nazar was always the one to pump the gas and so I'd always say Nazar why don't you come to church why don't you come to our youth meetings and he said well I'm Greek Orthodox and I can't come and I said well I'm not asking you to join our church I just want you to uh, to come to the youth meetings they play basketball and and soccer and they play games and then they sing and then they they have prayer together and they talk together and I think you would like it and he kept saying well I'm Greek Orthodox well one Sunday night the door opened in the back and in walks Nazar. He still had his shirt on that he pumped gas with. He still smelled like gasoline and uh, he came in and never left. My name is Pastor Nizar Tuma and I'm the pastor of the Church of the Nazarene in Nazareth. I um, came to know the Lord on uh, 1985 through our missionary pastor here, uh, Lyndall Browning and his wife Kay. And I met them uh, at a a gas station one day as they were filling their uh, van with gas. And um, he invited me to church at that time and I came. And uh, the moment I walked in, the Lord captured my heart and I started being a part of the Nazarene church, the Nazarene work. I believe that I am here because of that, those donations. I am here because someone was uh, helped to uh, establish a church and do the work of the Lord in Israel. So Nazareth is one of the places where the Lord is doing a, a miraculous work. I'm so thankful that the seed was planted. We knew that we could rely on the church, and I'm talking about the global church, people participating in Alabaster Funds. We could count on them to provide buildings for the people who were local and they needed a place to worship. I want to appreciate you and to thank you for um, just allowing us to help and to serve and to continue leading the work of the Lord in Nazareth, in Israel, and in the Middle East, and of course, different parts of the world.
Let's continue our time together worshiping. Would you stand with me?
Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. my life 
shows us how he's with us all the time is really remarkable if we really pay attention. We can see his fingerprints everywhere. They're all over the place. And this week, as we were doing our devotional time, um, we just kind of got curious and started looking up some things on Google. And uh, one of the things we looked for is how many times the word sing is mentioned in the Bible. Does anybody know? Give me a guess. Did somebody say 400? Well, they were right. So it's 400 times in the Bible we're told to sing to the Lord. That's a lot, right? How many times does he tell us to worship him? Does anybody have a guess at that one? It's higher. 8,000. Shocker, right? Same with praise. Praise is also 8,000 times. So we did some math because we're musicians, so we do math. And guess what? That means that we need to, if you worship God that many times in 365 days in the year, 
break it down to 24 hours, it's 21.92, so basically 22 times a day, which is almost every hour. Does anybody do that? That was convicting to me. And I've been practicing for the past month, praising him and thanking him multiple times through the day. And guess what? I need to up my game because it's not enough. And so when we get to gather together, it's so special that we get to be with each other and we get to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and lay our week behind us, kind of tap out of our week and tap into what he's doing here and stepping into the throne room and just spend some time with him. So I just want to encourage you to keep praising him, to keep worshiping, worshiping him because the evidence that we just sang about is going to show up and you're going to start noticing all the things that he's doing in his life if we just put our focus on him. Amen? So we're going to sing our last song and just agree to worship him and agree to praise him. Amen? Will you do that with me? on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out oh yes I will lift you Your name. 
it would be appropriate to uh, turn on a little bit of heat here in the middle of winter just to uh, make us all uh, remember what it was like to walk outside in short sleeves and shorts, okay? So good morning, everybody. Um, I remember a few years ago, Michelle and I have uh, three babies, and uh, they're not babies anymore. They're bigger than we are and, you know, taller, and they've gone further than we have, and it's fantastic. But uh, when they were little, I remember a time when we would go um, from our home um, and go back east to where we were both from. Michelle's from Kentucky, and I'm from Ohio. And, and so we'd spend holidays back with them. And I remember one particular year, uh, we had made the pilgrimage, the annual pilgrimage back to, um, to Kentucky. And this particular trip, because we were on the West Coast, we were in uh, Oregon at the time, um, this particular trip meant a plane ride. And so we got on a plane, and we were super excited. You ever take a trip at, on, during the holidays, and you're like, I can't wait to get there? No, just me. Okay, well, a few of you. Uh, if you don't like it, don't go, is what I'm trying to say. No. Um, but we, we, we were so excited. The kids were like, yeah, you know, and we're, we're ready to go. And there's all the anxiety with traveling and all that stuff. But, but it was awesome, and we had a great time. And uh, we, we, we rolled into uh, Portland International Airport, PDX is what we call it. And, um, and we parked our car in, in long-term parking, and we grabbed our gear, and we stood at the at the, uh, at the bus stop, and they would come with a free shuttle and climb on. It was just amazing. Oh, my gosh. And then Christmas is over, and we get to go home. And so we had all of our stuff, and we packed everything together, and we got on the plane, and we flew back, and we got on the free shuttle, and we got to the bus stop, and we unloaded our gear, and we walked to our car, and everybody's like dragging because on the way home from holidays, you're like, I don't want to be here. I want to be back in Christmas. But uh, we, we got all of our stuff. We put it in the car, shut the door, key inside the, in, in, uh, you know, the, um, what's it called? Thank you. Just want to make sure you're listening. And so we're, we're getting ready to go, and that was the days before the push button, and I turn on the key, and nothing. So I said, oh, well, it's okay. It's probably just a, a hitch. In the, it was a 2001 Ford Explorer. We love that car. Uh, it's gone now. But, um, but tried it and nothing and tried it and nothing. And, you know, there's a point at which, you know, the kids are like, ah, and then there's, then there's a switch that happens, and they realize, oh, crap. And so uh, we, we hit that spot, and, and I was a little anxious, to be honest. We're, we're 90 minutes from home from the Portland International Airport. It's freezing outside, and, and what are you going to do? And it was in that moment, I'm like, oh, man, 
this family of mine is counting on me to get them home. And I'm not a mechanic. And we spent all our money at Christmas. So what are we going to do? You know, I mean, this, this is where we are. And for me, it was at that moment that the, the heat was on. You ever fall under any pressure? The heat ever been on in your life where you feel like things are on top of you? It may not be a car that isn't starting, but you've got all kinds of things piling on top of you, and you realize, oh, my goodness, the heat is on. That day in Portland, I I felt the heat. I, I felt the anxiety. And I think that I think that we all feel the heat. Sometimes. Um, there's rarely, you know, you never say never, but, but there's rarely a time, it's, at least in my experience, where the heat isn't on in life. The pressure to conform, the pressure to, to give in or give up or, or quit, the pressure to be someone or something that you're not or someone or somewhere that you know God doesn't want you to be pressure to achieve, pressure to win, pressure to succeed. The pressure just always seems to be present. And I think if you, if you would look back in the memory banks, you would, you would recognize that rarely are the times in your life when the heat isn't on you. Dads, if you're a dad, you, you know if you're doing it right, there are very few times when the heat isn't on the heat to provide, the heat to be a good example, the heat, the, the heat to protect, to see things that other people don't see. There's rarely a time, dads, that the heat isn't on you. Moms, if, if, if you're doing it right, there are very few times when the heat, whether it's to nurture or to, to give or to sacrifice, to love unconditionally, moms, if you're doing it right, there is very few times in life that the heat isn't on you teens or, or young adults, there are very few times when the, when the heat, whether it's to cave in, to bend what you believe is true, to take the easy way out, there's very few times, teens and young adults, there's very few times when the heat is not on you. At every stage in life, at every point, every age, the heat is never, ever really far away. And unless you're prepared Unless somehow you've, you've prepared for this, or at least in the process of getting prepared mentally or emotionally, certainly spiritually, if, if, if you're not prepared, even a small bump in the road could take your life on an unplanned detour that you um, never intended. It, it usually lasts a lot longer than you thought, and it costs you way more than you ever wanted to pay. And, and unless you're prepared somehow, or in the process of being prepared, you're going to get bumped. Has anyone else had it made a, a bad heat of the moment decision that lasted longer than you wanted it to? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And at least once in your life, some, some of us maybe more than once, but at least once in your life, you'll be faced with a situation, a circumstance, or a setback that will knock the wind out of you. And unless you've got solid spiritual grounding, that little bump could end up undoing you. It's usually during the most stressful times when God seems distant, maybe even absent. 
And so the question that I want to really begin with, you know, with you and for you, the question I want to ask this morning is this. Have you ever felt like God wasn't there? Have you ever felt like God was absent? Like he was distant or that he was not there? Not, not that you didn't believe in God, you know, like you turned atheist or something. Not that you didn't believe in him, but in spite of your prayers, your belief, your faith, in, in, in spite of all the work that you're putting in, you just felt that God had moved on from your crisis to someone else's crisis. He got busy in another part of the world, or, or maybe he was just looking in on someone else's disaster, and you were on your own. Have you ever felt like God just wasn't there? Me too. I'm, I'm in good company this morning. See, the reality is that many times we're in a not-so-good situation where the heat is on. And because we can't see everything, I think it's easy that we get the impression that God doesn't care or he's silent or he's absent altogether. And I believe that if we were really, truly honest with ourselves, if we were just, okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest for a second. I think if we were honest, we've all been there. So that sets the stage this morning for a story that I want to share with you. And and it's an ancient story. And honestly, um, if it were made into a movie today, um, it could easily get get an R rating, probably even higher than that if they have such thing because of of the the, the details are so graphic. But it's a a true story. So this morning, I want to share with you this story, but in order to give you an accurate picture, I need to give you some context. I need to help you kind of see where, where this story falls and, and how it all works. And so that line in the middle of the, of the horizontal is a, is a demarcation line. It's, it's zero in, in history. And we, humanity, we count history in two ways, in B.C. or B.C.E., before Common Era. And that number usually goes down. It starts at 6,000 or 10,000 or 10 million, pick a number, but it always goes down. And when it hits the, the, the red line in the middle, it hits zero. That's BC or BCE. Then on the other side is AD or CE, common era, whichever. And, and that, that number goes up. That's why last year was 2023 and this year is 2020. Good. We count up with history. So before zero, before the middle of that row or that line was before and then after. That's how we do history. You're welcome. You can get college credit for this. All right, we'll keep going. There's Jesus right around 33 A.D. That's where he is in in history. I'm going to give you some other contextual things that happen in history around uh, this other time. There's you in 2024. So we're going up, remember? All right, here we go. Um, We're going to move that so that we can go back in time, and I'm going to show you the split. So Israel split into two kingdoms, um, the northern and southern tribes, in 586 BCE or BC. Um, Let's take a look at some other times. Look, Buddha's around in 563. Gives you some some context here. Um, There's Rome, came about around 509 BC. You recognize we're going down in numbers, right? That's how history goes. Um, There's Confucius right there in 479 BC. You guys are so impressed. Uh, You're on the edge of your seats. I can tell you love history. All right. Um, And there's Socrates, 470 BC, okay? You can see where we are in the context. This morning, our story is going to be right smack in the middle of that, somewhere in the years 483 to 474 B.C. That's where our story 
begins. And this story is about a king named Ahasuerus and a girl, a woman named Hadassah. And this story takes place in a city called Susa. It's a real city. It's a real country. Um, and and the story takes place there. And if, if you're a Bible bringer, in your Bible, this story is found in a book called Esther. And I'm going to kind of go through it. The, 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 the parts that I'm going to talk about this morning are not lining up with the chapters in your Bible. You get the opportunity to take this home and read the story yourself. It's awesome. But I'm going to have to go through this story in, in, in a quick fashion. So here's, here's part one of the Bible. This is my words, not Bible words. But in, in, in part one of the story, the king Ahasuerus throws this giant house party. As a matter of fact, the house party is so amazing, it lasts for 180 days. It's like a six-month party. Pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, you, there's a lot of things that go on to planning a party like that, but that's the kind of party they threw. And so it was at this party in the story in the book of Esther, the king, Ahasuerus, decided that he wanted to show off his wife. And she said, no, I'm not interested in being trophy for you today. And so it caused a little bit of an issue because in that day, you didn't say no to the king. So the king had an issue with his wife, and so he did what every good king does. He pulled his marriage counseling team together, and they had a little bit of a conversation, and his marriage counseling team decided, I think that you probably should split. There's no way this is going to work. She's put her foot down. And, king, you need to know that you set the the tone for the rest of the country and really the world. You're so amazing, O king. So this is what's going to happen. If she said no no once, she's going to say it again because, you know, that's what queens do. If she says no once, she's going to do it again. And then you know what's going to happen. All the wives in the kingdom are going to look at this queen and say, well, she said no. I'm saying no. And can you see the problem here? I mean, the world is going to turn upside down. We can't have that, king. So my recommendation to you would be to split from her and leave her and kick her out. She's got to go. And so the king took their advice, and she's gone, just like that. King split off from the queen, part one. Part two, the king wakes up one, re- one morning and says, hey, wait a minute. Whoa, I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a wife anymore. I don't have a queen anymore. I, I've, got to, I've got to figure out this, this problem that I have. And so he calls his wise advisors back together because they gave him such good advice to begin with. I mean, why not try again? So he, he pulls his council together back, and, and they propose a contest. You need a queen. So let's, we didn't have the Internet. So let's, let's, here's a contest we can have, O king. This is what we can do. Um, we're going to find you a new queen, and here's how we'll do it. We're going to throw something like a mix between a, a, like a beauty pageant and, um, you know, maybe like a, like a bedroom talent show. And so they gathered all the young women from all over the kingdom, and they brought them to this place in this, this city called Susa, and they, they brought them all together. They scanned the empire for the most beautiful women, and, and they begin to find a new queen for this king. Meanwhile, in, in the meantime, there's a Jewish man named Mordecai. Now, Mordecai... Um, 
his family has been in Persia. His family has been in this part of the world since when the since when the 12 tribes of Israel split. So he's been here for a while. His family's been here for a while. And, and he managed to get himself into a position inside the capital. So Mordecai is in a, in a spot where he has at least some intelligence or at least some influence as to what's going on in the life of, of, the, of, the, capital city, of the capital city. And Mordecai um, had a younger female cousin who happened to be extremely beautiful. And so he thought, hey, maybe, maybe she could be in the contest. And so he recommends to her that she should enter the contest, and, and so she does, and, and that's Hadassah. That's her name. That's part two. Now, at, at this point, by the way, it's not a popular time in the world to be Jewish. I don't know if there's ever been a popular time in the world to be Jewish, but certainly not this time. It wasn't popular. And so um, there in Persia, she told no one that she was Jewish. And so you can kind of see how this is beginning to roll out. Hadassah, who is Jewish, is pretending not to be Jewish, and she's entered herself into this contest to become the next queen of Persia. Chapter two, or part two. Part three, Hadassah wins. <laughs> Can you believe it? And the crowd goes wild. I mean, who, who knew that this Jewish girl could, could pull this off? But she did. She wins. And in spite of all the odds, she becomes queen of Persia. You should read the story. I won't go into the details, but it's amazing. Let's get on to, to, to part four. <laughs> there was a, after the, the king took on the queen, we, we fast forward a little while, and King Ahasuerus, by the way, Ahasuerus, if you wonder, his, his, his name that we would know him by is King Xerxes. So, so Ahasuerus is working on his political advisory team, and he, he has a man inside of his, in the ranks that he promotes up to um, a, a chief noble. His name is Haman. Haman was a, a jerk but that's, beside, that, that's another story. But, but Haman um, becomes the chief noble under Ahasuerus, under Xerxes. He elevates and, and it gives him tremendous power inside of this kingdom. And whenever he walked by Haman, people would bow. He was walking in. How you doing? People would bow. You, you, can you imagine? Where you were walking in, 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 in Safeway? And people would recognize you and go, oh, man, you don't even know what that does to a person. And so all the people all over the kingdom would bow low when, when Haman would walk by, and, and he, he just kind of began to get all about himself. People would bow, everyone, except for one, Mordecai. Go figure. The one man in the entire kingdom that would not bow down to Haman would, would not yield to Haman, this man, Mordecai, just enraged Haman. Haman couldn't stand him. And so he began to do some digging and discovers that Mordecai is a Jew. And he, he makes sure that, that he, he, he begins this, this, this plan, not just to deal with it locally, but Haman wants to eradicate the Jews within the whole world. It wasn't that he hated Mordecai specifically. It was bigger than that. It seemed to be almost that, that he hated Jews. And so Haman comes up with this plan to, to eradicate the entire world. By the way, here's the entire world. Here's the, the Persian kingdom. You can't see it very well in the big one, but that's a great part of the world. 
in this time of the world. So Haman comes up with this idea that he wants to wipe out the entire Hebrew nation. Call it genocide today, but Haman wanted to get rid of all of the Jews. And so he runs this idea by King Ahasuerus, along with the promise of 375 tons of silver. He runs this plan by Ahasuerus, and just like that, the king goes along with the plan. I don't know why he would do that, but maybe 375 tons of, 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 of silver would, would make that a, a good thing. But anyway, the date was put on the calendar for the complete extermination of the Jews. And Mordecai was stunned because he knew. Here he was, not only in Persia, not only in Susa, not only in that general location, but he was in the capital. I mean, he was in the same hallways that the only man in the world could figure out how to stop this. But he has zero influence. He has no way of being able to rub shoulders with Xerxes and change his mind. He has nowhere to go with this until he realized there was his cousin who was the queen. Part five. So we come upon this man who sees out a a, a distant measure into the future where the entire Jewish nation would be eradicated. He comes up with this idea that he would talk with his cousin. And through a series of messages between emissaries, Mordecai tries to convince Hadassah to petition the king on his behalf to be able to change his mind about this genocide. And in the, in the moment between the emissaries, Hadassah or, or, or Esther, Esther pushes back. And her, her response to her cousin was something along these lines. Nobody gets an audience with the king unless the king calls for them first. Nobody gets to stand in front of the king unless the king calls your name first. Nobody gets the opportunity to talk to the king unless the king reaches out first. And the king hasn't called me in over a month. And so if I just, if I just stroll into the king's court, Mordecai, I'm dead. Do you see the picture? On one hand, the, the fate of millions of people the Jewish nation. On on the other hand, my life. What a choice. What What a situation that Esther is in the middle of. Truly for her, the heat is on. My life, the lives of millions. You ever had to make a big decision? And so Mordecai sends, or sends this message back to his cousin, the queen of Persia. We know her as Esther, and this is what he sends back to Esther. Esther, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you'll escape when all the other Jewish people is found out and before all the other Jewish people are killed. Don't think for a second that you get a, a pass If you keep quiet about this, Esther, deliverance and 
relief for the Jews will arise from somewhere. Something's going to happen. Something has to take place. I, I, don't know, I don't know how this is going to happen, but somewhere it will take place. But you and everybody that you know, including me, will die. Esther, who knows? Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this one? Thanks for the pressure, cousin Mordecai. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for pointing out that I'm in an impossible situation. Thank you for that. The story goes on for six more extraordinary chapters. You have to read this book. It's amazing. But the story rambles on for six more extraordinary chapters. But to make a, a long story just a, a little less long, she did it. She, she pulled up the courage. She defied the urge of self-preservation. And she went before King Xerxes. And, and ultimately, Esther's efforts spurred on by Mordecai's passion for his people, the Jews, the nation of Israel is, is saved. And, and there's a lot of the details that I left out. There's a lot more that, that I didn't include, but it's a, it's a fantastic story. And ar- around the world, Hadassah, Esther, around the world, Esther is known as one of the handful of women heroes in the Bible. Esther happens to be my mom's middle name. Hi, mom. But even through, even through that book, even though the book is named after Esther, she's just a character in, in the story. She's just a, a role player. There's more to the story than just Esther. Even though her name is on the book, there's more going on in this story. The story isn't about her. The story isn't about Mordecai or, or Haman or Xerxes I. The story isn't even about the Jewish people were, who were saved. I mean, that's not the whole story. In order to get the whole big picture story, we would have to go back even further than 479 B.C. We'd, we'd have to go back further where God made a promise. He entered into this, uh, this covenant with the people, the, the, the Jewish people. He made a, a promise, a hardcore agreement with Abraham that Abraham's descendants, the Jewish nation, would be favored and from Abraham's bloodline, a savior, a Messiah would be born. He made a promise. He made a covenant to Abraham all those years back. And in spite of the fact that there's not one mention about God or Jesus or even the Holy Spirit, no name, no title, no pronoun for God appears in all of the narrative of Esther. In spite of that, we find God being everywhere in that story. So I'd ask you, those of you who admitted to me that the, the heat sometimes is on in your life. Is it possible that even though you may not see God at work in your circumstance, 
even though you can't feel him present in your situation or, or your scenario, whatever it is that you're working through, whatever it is that you're dealing with, is it possible that even though you can't see God or you can't feel God, is it possible that he probably is working in you and around you? And, and, and if you'll let him, he is working through you during this difficult season in your life when the heat is on. Because the timeless truth about Esther is this. The great paradox of the story of Esther is that God is omnipotently present even when God is most conspicuously absent. That's so good, I'll say it again. The great paradox of Esther, and really our life, is that God is omnipotently present even when God is most conspicuously absent. I bet, I'm willing to bet, that it's that way in your life too. There's, there's a name for it. We call it the providence of God. That is that there is an almighty God and he's working in some invisible and beyond understandable way. That he governs all creatures and actions and circumstances through the normal and ordinary course of human life. God and his providence. Does God intervene? Yes. Sometimes, you know, we can see it. God moved and, oh man, does God intervene? You bet. But the challenge isn't in that. The challenge is when it doesn't seem like he's intervening. Does God intervene? Of course. Does God have to intervene in order for us to trust him? I hope not. Because we have evidence all over the place of God working in spite of our circumstances. And so often we just get so caught up that we can't see God working around. There's another $9 Bible word. Providence is a big word. There's another one that I, that I want you to memorize. It's called sovereignty. <laughs> it's God's right to exercise his ruling power over his creation. He created it. He can certainly run it the way that he wants to. It's his. He is sovereign. And sometimes it, it may seem like God is silent or maybe even absent But because of his promise, you can trust that he's neither absent nor silent in the middle of your most challenging circumstances when the heat is on. Well, Dale, you you said that the promise was to Abraham and his descendants, and that's the Jewish nation. And and what's the promise for me? I'm glad that you asked. God's promise to us is that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, If you put your hope in him, God's one and only son, if you receive by faith his grace that breaks the power over sin and washes away the guilt and the the shame of sin, if you you do that, you're, you're covered today and tomorrow and forever. As you surrender to him, he saves you in circumstances, through circumstances. And oftentimes in spite of circumstances. Most often, 
when the heat is on. So as I sat there in, in the driver's seat of our 2001 Ford Exploder, uh, Explorer, nervously trying to get the car started, I, I suddenly realized, I, I began, God, I need a miracle. No, I need a miracle. I, I realized I really didn't need a miracle. <laughs> Actually, what I, what I needed to do was to be more mindful. I, 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 I didn't need God to start my car with a bolt of lightning to, to fire up the spark plug so that it would start and we could go home. I, I didn't need that. All I had to do was, was ask the guy in the parking space in front of me who was loading his luggage. <laughs> All I needed to do was to ask him for a jump. I just needed to be mindful in that moment. Was there pressure? Yes. Paralysis? Not necessary. Is there someone or somewhere, a situation in your life that you're feeling a lot or, or maybe just a little heat right now? Maybe, maybe you need a miracle. And we can pray for that. We pray for miracles all the time. We, got, we believe that God absolutely intervenes and does miraculous things. We, we can pray for a miracle, but maybe, maybe you just need to be mindful. Maybe, maybe you should keep your head up and look to see if there's help right in front of you. Or maybe, maybe God just wants you to trust him through this challenge, through this circumstance, through this difficult season in your life. And God is just saying, look, you, you be faithful. You do the right thing. Be patient. I'm working on my end. Maybe we just need to trust him because you never know. You never know that maybe you've been put where you are for just such a time as this. Can I pray with you? Lord in heaven, thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your church, in this building with with people who we love and care for. We've known for some time, some we've just met today. Thank you for your church. But this morning, Lord, and all through this week of, of, of prep, it's just been obvious to me that there are some that are dealing with heavy, heavy, heavy things. Um, a, a, a doctor's prognosis that didn't go like we had hoped. A, a treatment situation that we, that we just can't afford it. Maybe, maybe the finances are just not pulling together like, like we wanted, like we thought. Maybe our kid is getting shoved around at, at school or at the play group, and we, we don't know what to do. All kinds of things, Lord, where we, we hope that life is just screaming along, and all of a sudden we feel this intense pressure. We just don't know what to do with it. And the heat is on so many of us, Lord. Would you help us? to trust you that you are the God that is looking out for your children that when we cross over the line of faith into, into your hands when we commit ourselves and our future to you that you say I got this, I got this, I got this don't worry about it, I got this would you help us to trust you and as we do that every day, a little step here, a little step there as we are able to 
to cobble together a little bit of faith and you're so faithful to, to continue to sustain us and provide for us. Just continue to grow us, Lord. Help us to reach for bigger things as you give us faith, as we trust you. Be with those, oh God, who just are struggling and they don't even know if they can handle another day. Would you light up their heart even now? Remind them that you are the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that you are the God that remembered your covenant with with your people so long ago to make it so that the nation would, would not be destroyed. And through that bloodline, the Messiah has come. And because of that, we've been made new. We have the opportunity to know you. Help us, O Lord, to know that you have our best in mind and that you are not absent. You are not on to someone else's disaster. And most of all, you're not silent. Help us to reach out for you. Help us in the times we don't feel like praying to pray. Help us in the times we feel like um, we, we, we'd rather just sulk in our own, you know, bad attitude to reach up and to praise you and to worship you for who you are. Help us to be the kind of people and the kind of church that makes you most proud, the kind that trusts their heavenly father in spite of circumstances. Help us to be brave that we replaced where we are for maybe just such a time as this. And we ask this Christ in your name this morning. Would you stand with me? As you prepare to go, I don't I don't know <laughs> what you're what you will face this week. I don't know. I've been around enough to know that you could be you could be looking at an impossible situation. It's the world that we live in. But we have a God who you can trust. So as you get ready to go, I would ask that God would bless you and that he would keep you. That he would lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you that you'd receive that. That he lift his face to you and bring you the only thing that can stop the fear and the hopelessness and the, well, does it get worse than hopelessness? The only thing, may God give you his, his peace. And may it sustain you, not just for the next hour, not just for today, but for tomorrow. And then, then Tuesday's problems and then Wednesdays, and then Thursdays, and Fridays, and Saturdays. May God bless you. Not because of you. You're awesome, but not because of you. But because he is so awesome. May God bless you and keep you. Have an awesome week. I hope to see you again next Sunday. God bless you. Single dream I lay each one down at
You're by my side.